You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Today's episode was inspired by the intelligent, passionate, brilliant yoga teachers that I have had the privilege of working with one-on-one. By getting to work with yoga teachers one-on-one, I've been able to both develop a system for helping yoga teachers create a foundation for their business and also understand where the gaps are in the understanding of how to create a business. Now, I called this episode Foundations of a Yoga Business because I know that you, dear listener, are a yoga teacher. But if you happen to be a multi-passionate entrepreneur, you can apply these principles and these ideas to a business in any industry. If you ask most yoga teachers, and honestly, if you ask most people, how do you start a business? They might tell you something about, you need a website, you need an email list, you need something to sell. And while these are true, if you start with those pieces, you're actually missing the foundation of the business that's going to make your business stable, strong, and consistent. If you create your website first, before you do the preliminary groundwork, it's just the same as if you try to frame your house before pouring the foundation. To the untrained eye, it might look fine at first, but with the first major storm, there'll be huge problems. Your website, your email list, and all of your offerings are only going to be as helpful as the research that you put in before you ever pick a domain or design a logo. It is actually possible to create a very successful business without a website and definitely without a logo. (laughs) So websites are very helpful for most businesses, but logos are definitely more of a nice to have than an essential. In fact, if you look at my logo, you may or may not be able to tell that I designed it myself and I had the specific goal of not obsessing over it. It's very simple and it's good enough for now. Maybe one day when I reach a good financial milestone, I'll reward myself by hiring somebody to create something snazzier. But in the lean startup phase, it really doesn't make sense to waste time or money on something as unessential as a logo. Consider how many times you have made a purchasing decision based on a logo. Probably never unless it's with a logo designer. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine going to a senior yoga teacher's website, planning to sign up for their teacher training, and then looking at their logo and being like, eh, never mind, their logo kind of sucks. You just wouldn't do it. That's not what you care about. At least that's not what most yoga teachers care about. So you might be different. You might be like a design snob and that's totally cool if you are. But speaking in generalities for the majority of people, we do not care about people's logo. And honestly, we don't even care how great their website is as long as it's functional. In the yoga world, we're in the business of helping people calm and focus their minds, befriend their bodies and experience peace. We do, I believe, important work. However, the reality is there are now a lot of people doing this work. Many of them have beautiful logos. Many of them have fancy websites. But I would argue that is not the key to success as a yoga teacher. 
In my quest to get amazing guests for my podcast, I've been on a lot of websites for some of the most knowledgeable and well-respected teachers in the world. I noticed many, maybe even most of them, have really crappy websites. That never once stopped me from reaching out to them to be a guest on the podcast. People will choose to work with you as a yoga teacher because they believe you truly understand their challenges and you have the right tools, skills, and knowledge base to help them. How you get them to believe this is based on our topic for today, market research, validation, and niche. Market research consists of surveying or interviewing the people that you want to serve so that you understand what they really care about. Validation is running experiments on them to help you understand what is going to make them take action. Market research and validation work together in a symbiotic way. You might separate them out into phases, but you'll go back and sometimes do them at the same time. You'll use validation to test the conclusions that you came to during your research phase. Often your research will actually lead you to pivot and you might end up with a different business idea than you started with. And this is a good thing because usually it's because that new idea is based on your research rather than just your imagination. Other times your research will be validated and you'll learn exactly how to frame your offerings so that the people you're targeting feel heard and understood. At this point, you might be thinking, great, I need to do market research, but I have no idea how to start. The first step is to decide exactly who you want to work with. In other words, to choose a niche. One of the reasons that many yoga teachers struggle is they try to be everything to everyone all the time. Choosing a niche can be scary. Almost everyone I've worked with started out with a niche that was too broad or more about themselves than the people that they're trying to help. So as an example, women between the ages of 20 and 60 is way too broad. Another mistake people make is to describe what they're teaching instead of who they're teaching as their niche. So for example, if you say, I teach power yoga, that's not a niche because it has nothing to do with the people that you're trying to connect with. When you first start thinking about doing this, most people, myself included, are usually a little bit resistant. I had to be coerced, cajoled, convinced to do this, and over time I've come to see the wisdom in it. Let me reassure you that choosing a niche does not mean that you have to turn anybody away if you don't want to. You're still the boss. And it often makes your language feel more inclusive, at least for the people that you're actually best qualified to help. The truth is that no matter how inclusive you try to be, you're still going to make somebody feel excluded. So the first step in choosing a niche is coming to terms with the fact that you do have to turn some people off in order to do your most powerful work in this world. When you land on the right niche, though, something really magic happens in your teaching and your marketing. You will all of a sudden feel and sound more authentic, more knowledgeable, and more trustworthy even to the people who aren't in your niche. Why does this happen? I believe it's because you start using more specific language when you talk about what you do. When you try to speak to everybody, you use language that's so broad in general, it actually ends up landing with fewer people. Consider the difference between a flyer that promises to transform your life without giving any other detail versus a flyer that promises At the end of this training, you will feel calm and confident to speak in front of crowds. With the first one, 
I don't know about you, but my brain kind of immediately is skeptical. Whereas with the second one, I'm intrigued. This is the power of specificity. And in order to be specific, we really need to know who we're talking to and through market research, what they struggle with and what they dream of. So you begin with a rough idea of a niche. Let's say career women in their 40s and 50s with older children who use yoga for self-care and me time. That's a better, much more specific niche. Then you dive in and you have actual conversations, back and forth conversations with real humans who fit this description. You ask them what their life is like. You ask them what keeps them up at night, what they want more than anything, what they dream of. Listen to their words, write them down. Often you'll start to see patterns. You'll hear the same words over and over. For example, about a year ago, I did my own market research. I had 100 conversations with yoga teachers from around the world. A phrase that kept coming up again and again was the desire to stay fresh in their teaching. This is not a word I would have used myself, but because so many of the people I interviewed used it, I knew that it was a word that would resonate with the people that I was trying to serve. So I used a concern of theirs and the actual words that they used to help me build one of my first episodes called Keeping Your Classes Fresh. During your market research, there are two main themes that are most valuable, struggles and goals. The reason that these places are where the gold is of your market research is these are the things that inspire people to take action, either solving a problem that they have, especially a problem that really stresses them out, and achieving their dreams. In a way, you could say that everything else besides those two things is fluff. Those are the pieces that matter to people. Once you do your interviews and you've collected data, it's time to validate your interpretations of what they told you. It might be stating the obvious to say that the more people you interview, the more solid your theories are likely to be. A great way to validate your ideas is to create a small offering or a lead magnet as a thank you for signing up for your email list. This does double duty because if it works, then you're getting a head start on one of the next phases of your business, which is the email list. So you create a small offering, and if you put your lead magnet out to your target market, and it's directly related to solving their problems or achieving their dreams, you should expect to see a high conversion rate, meaning that a large percentage of people who are exposed to the offer take you up on it. If they do, you know you're onto something and you can start creating larger paid offerings for those same people. If not, then you might want to go back to your market research and even go back to interviewing more people to directly ask them why they would or wouldn't take action on the lead magnet. At this point, you might be thinking, Mado, this sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do so much work. I just want to teach yoga. I totally get it. You're 100% right. This is definitely a lot of work, but it is the right kind of work. When you build your business in a methodical way from the ground up, you spend less time in the future spinning your wheels. This method also gives you a framework for understanding why some of your offerings are successful and others aren't. This saves emotional labor 
because as teachers, we tend to take it so personally when things are successful or not successful. This system helps us to put our successes and our failures in context. So it's not about our own value. It's not about whether or not people like us. It's simply about hitting on the right description of the right offering to the right population. When the success or lack of success in our business is no longer tied to our own ego and our own self-esteem, it just becomes a puzzle to solve. And I don't know about you, but solving a puzzle is a lot more enjoyable than figuring out how I need to fix myself (laughs) to be more successful. It's not that it's not worthwhile to work on yourself also. You might be holding yourself back as well. But if you don't have the foundation for your business in place, you'll never know whether it is something that you're doing, some way that you're showing up in the world, or you just didn't put the foundation together. So to recap, a yoga business with a strong foundation is a business that knows who they want to serve. That's their target market does market research to understand the desires and challenges of their market, and then validates their ideas before investing a ton of time and energy. I've helped many yoga teachers through this exact process, and it really works. It's amazing how much more energy, how much more clarity, and how much more effective our marketing and our offerings become when we have this foundation in place. If you would like my help to guide you through this process step-by-step, including choosing the right niche for you, how to find your people, how to connect with them, exactly what to ask them, and what to do with that information, I would love to help you. I currently have two spaces left for some ongoing intensive work over the next three months. And if you're interested in finding out more about that, go to teachingyoga.net slash clarity, where you can book a free call with me. For those of you who are newer to teaching, please know that you do not need to take action on this information right away. It might feel overwhelming if you just started teaching to try to do this niche work, this validation and market research, all while also learning to teach an amazing class. The last thing I wanna do is make you feel more stressed out about teaching. I'm here as a support. I'm here to encourage you, to inspire you, to give you the tools, but you don't have to take action right now. I believe that you're better off just having this information in your back pocket so that you can be watching other people do this or not do it, so that you can be in the back of your mind starting to develop an idea of who you want to work with before launching into it full force. For most people, I advise that you spend at least the first two years really focused on your teaching skills before you also branch out and put a lot of energy into building a business because building a business is a lot of work and you might not have the energy, especially if you have another job or if you have children, you might not have the energy to do both well. So build your other foundation of your teaching skills When you feel solid with your teaching and you feel ready to hit the ground running on building a business, this podcast is still going to be there waiting for you. So you can always come back and start when you're really ready to start. 
No matter how long you've been teaching, remember to reach out on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group if you need encouragement, support, or ideas. If you're not a member yet, you're invited to join. Just go to teachingyoga.net slash join for the link. That's all for this week. Please come back next week for an episode all about building your confidence as a yoga teacher. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.